But when you are in that present moment, whatever your position is, you get to be that. And I think that like right now, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you get to be this right now. You get to be this. Mm -hmm. Like your life has been happening with all this crazy shit going on and you get to be this right now. What are you going to do? Yeah. Like that's your life Every single moment, but we... And you might get, as well fully be yeah. this thing right now. Right. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you might as well fully might be this well thing right now because this is, this is all we know. This is it. This is it. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. I was going to do like a big like, yo, yo, yo. And then <laughs> I couldn't do it. I felt like I still had to share it. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Way of the Artist, episode 33. I believe it's 33. 33. Yeah. But it's nice because, uh, you know, our beer is from 33 Acres. Oh, geez. Look at that. You know, we might as well even mention that. it right yeah, off the Yeah, right off the top. We're Change drinking, we're drinking up. Uh, 33 Acres of Ocean. That's just the name of their beer. It's a pale ale from one of our favorites. We're not being sponsored by them. We're just drinking beer, spurs on the conversation. Now that we've got that housekeeping out of the way, <laughs> back to the podcast. Yeah, it's not a podcast about beer, but we do love 33 Acres. That's where all these conversations mm-hmm. started in that yep, very that was... little brewery right over by just off of Main Street on Ontario. Well, not on Ontario, but basically. Somewhere around there. In those, in those, It's like 8th. It's on 8th. I can tell you that much. Avenue near Main Street in Vancouver. Yeah. It's great. Go there just for the atmosphere, but the beer is awesome too. Um, okay. So let's talk about this. Yep. So have the, we even mentioned the title? We haven't. And the title of this one is Nobody Knows Your Path But You. And there's, uh, there's kind of a lot of ground that we have to cover in this one. There's a lot of themes and elements that, are, that we're going to be bringing up in this one. I mean, this one really, where this all began in this conversation, when we were talking about some of the stuff, usually we get into some of our own stuff, you know, in our pre-talks before we begin recording, we kind of talk about things that we've been learning, things that we've been thinking about, things that we've been exploring intellectually, creatively, life-wise or otherwise. And this one's about, uh, enjoyment of life this one's about freedom it's about wonder it's about finding appreciation for every moment of our lives so to speak and Mm -hmm. that all ties into how nobody knows your path but you so i don't know how we want to how we want to open this can up exactly okay well i want to i kind of want to start with this the the whole idea and i'm sure people have heard this many many times over it's like enjoy the moment be present you know like live in the moment yeah so what what i want to say is like this may sound like a token cliche thing to say but it's a really important thing and there's a reason why it gets said over and over and shared over and over i just feel like it's one of those things that most people don't even hear anymore they go yeah 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 enjoy the moment carry on i got shit to do and i got places to get you know what i'm saying and so 
you know, it's funny because we talk about way of the artist and we talk about path. We mentioned like you're on a journey, you're on a path and all this. If you look in the world or your life or at your world in terms of I have somewhere to be or somewhere to get, this concept fails you. Mm-hmm. Because you, by the very essence of that program, you miss the moment. Because you're always waiting for another moment. And then you yeah. might have a moment here and there that you enjoy, but you missed all the other moments leading up to that. And yeah. so we want to kind of reverse engineer this concept. And, and, and I think what everybody needs to kind of embrace, just try this on for a moment. Imagine that your brain is like a computer, right? And there's these, it's programmed. And mm-hmm. there's these wires that send a certain kind of software into your brain. We, when you unplug one of those programs from your brain and you say like, okay, I don't have that program running anymore. You're left without a program Mm -hmm. and that can be very scary for people. So if we can all accept that we kind of have a program that we've been kind of taught that you need to accomplish things, you need to get places, you need to do things. And we can just kind of unplug that for a moment. Just what if you didn't, what if you don't have to get anywhere? You don't have to accomplish shit. You don't have to do anything. (laughs) There's nowhere to be other than right now. Like if you could just unplug that for a moment, just for the sake of this conversation, you might actually hear what we're about to say, which I think can be profound for a lot of people. There's nothing that you actually have to do. Yes. And maybe you've experienced this in your, in your own life in some way. A lot of times it's like, you know, there's, it's always good to start off with like maybe with our families because that's, you know, our first relationships. That's sure. where we first start to to get ideas about the world and how the world works. And some of those things are true and some of those things are not, as this we're, we're getting into. You know, sometimes there's something that your that your mom or your dad or something told you that he's like, this is how something is done. You this is how you you do this thing. And we go on in our lives and go, oh, okay, you know, because that's just, that's all we know. And so we go on caring about our lives, doing things in a certain way. And sometimes those things begin to create a level of stress. They, they become a burden on us. And you may have had the experience of being like, fuck this, and fuck that thing that they told me. <laughs> and you rebel against sure. it. And say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And you might completely abandon that idea and you might come back to it at another, at another time. But it's this idea of I have to do things this way that can create such a huge burden of, of stress upon us because we just think that we have to do it. And sometimes we need to learn that, no, you don't actually have to. You don't actually have to do anything. And then once we start to see the effects of doing or not doing something, then we can make a decision for ourselves. And then from there, instead of having to do something, we can choose to do something willingly or to not do it at all. Yeah. So here, here's an exercise in a bit of a rabbit hole. No, it was good. I mean, and it is, it is a rabbit hole. We're going to go down, but like, here's an exercise you can do is you can just, while you're listening to this podcast, just grab a piece of paper if you can, or just count on your hand, but just, you know, count all the things that you think you have to do. Just like make a list. I have, I, well, I have to feed the cat. I have to fucking, you know, walk the dog. I got to make sure I eat breakfast. Got to make sure I pick up the kids from school and do all this. 
Okay, so these are all your obligations, right? And so now you're obligated into your life. The thing that people don't always see is that you could do all of those things, but without the obligation. Mm-hmm. That would change the whole experience. So if you went down, so you write down all the list of all the things you have to do, you must do, you're obligated to do, and you go, well, what if I didn't do it? There's consequences. There are literal consequences that will occur. So now you're saying, mm-hmm. I'm, I have to do it, otherwise consequence will occur. So what if it, you changed it and went, okay, what if there were no consequence? Do I still have to do it? And then you will go, well, why? So why? Because if there's no consequence, well, why do you have to do it? So if there's no consequence, then you go, okay, I don't have to. But you look at it and go, what if you just wanted to do it? Then, Because once you take away the consequence, you go, but I want to pick up my kid. I want to see my kid. I want to feed my cat. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do these things. I, I choose to do them. In fact, they, I mm-hmm. brought them into my life to do them because it gives me something to do that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what happens is now you can enjoy picking up your kid from school instead of going, God, I got to get out of work and uh, stress because I'm late and all yeah. this, where it becomes this kind of thing of, I'm choosing this. This is my life. I own it. It's my path, mm-hmm. right? Like I have a cat, for example, which, you know, as far as owning an animal, like a cat is pretty easy to maintain. You know, it mostly takes care of itself. I can leave the house and I don't have to take it on walks, but I got to make sure I feed it and make sure I keep it sheltered, keep it safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if I need someone to, to say, take care of my cat, if I travel, it's a little bit easier, I think, than, than having someone take care of your dog, you know, because mm-hmm. they don't have to be as responsible either for this thing. Now, having a cat also creates a few little challenges in my life. I, you know, I used to travel a lot and I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do for my cat if I'm gone for like two, three weeks at a time? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what I would do is I would have certain people that would take care of my cat while I was gone. It created an obligation in my life, obligation, but I chose to have the cat i love having this cat it's mm-hmm. a beautiful cat wonderful companion and i also choose who to bring it to and who to share this part of my life with if it becomes a choice everything becomes enjoyable everything becomes this wonderful experience but i think one of the first identifiers we want to just point out is that there's this are you obligating your life mm-hmm. and that's probably the first telltale sign why you're not enjoying it why you're stressed out and this is all based on a faulty programming you know, it's a, it's a wire that's plugged into you going, you have to do this or consequence. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, what's really striking me and we did touch on this before we started recording, but more and more is, is actually, I'm realizing this conversation is very much about our conditioning, how we're conditioned to look at things and, and, and look at our lives. And we set off the top of this, that this is about a lot of this conversation is about how do we get more enjoyment, more, more freedom? How do we uh, appreciate our lives more? And a huge part of it is, is it's how we are looking at everything. I mean, this is get this, hopefully we can take this out of the uh, kind of token cliche realm. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, Oh, it's all in how you look at it. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit, right? It's like, but um, hopefully we can explore this a little bit more and and dig at this in a few more areas because it's it is actually good wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> but it's become 
is something that we, we don't even necessarily it's like what does that even mean you know was yeah even- you hear these things over and over and they 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 no longer have meaning and also if they don't fit into your conditioning or your programming the problem is is that you don't actually take them on so like what i think happens for people this is my this is a theory um and I'm sharing of my own. Mm-hmm. So it's not proven anywhere that I know of, but it's my own theory. What I think happens is that you have a program running. I have a program running and I believe my programming and I think my programming is right. That's why I go, this person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. I do, you know, mm-hmm. but that's our programming does stuff like that. So it creates a, it creates a right, wrong scenario. It creates deflections. It does all sorts of things. Yeah. So when we get data thrown at us or information or ideas or philosophies and they don't align with our programming, it's more difficult to stop our program and say, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, you know, and it's easier for us to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need that. I'm only taking what I need. And so this yeah. is why we can't hear things. And I think this is why when people hear something later, they go, oh, I didn't even get that the first time I heard it, but I get mm-hmm. it now. Because what happened was somewhere along the life, you probably some something messed up and your program didn't work and you went, I need to change my program. And mm-hmm. then you heard something else. And with the new program you're running, you're like, oh, shit, that makes sense now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes with it's it comes with experience yeah. that we have. So I want to take this into into the artist realm, into part of what we're we're getting into. And a big component of this uh, has to do with with time. Or at least our sense of of time, because there are, there's two there's two folds to this. Obviously, well, I mean, there's three, but we're gonna I think key in on on two of them, which is past and future. And a lot of times, these are very powerful, influential conditions on our life. We make our past and our future very real to ourselves. Like like the, we make them like they're reality and part of what we want to diffuse here is like no they're all actually just actions that are happening in the present yeah and that's where we can kind of claim our our power over them but to provide uh just a personal example for myself it's i've always been a person who has struggled more with how i think about the future and the future is something where I've, I'm in the artistic realm. I'm working on something. I'm I'm playing a part. I'm writing a script, or I'm working on a song, and I start to think that it has to be something. This has to do something. There needs to be some result that comes out of this in order to make this thing worth it, and. The problem with that comes in is that I stopped enjoying what I was doing. It sucks the joy out of everything that you're doing. In the past and the future, they 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 can do both of it. Of these, they each have a way of sucking the joy out of the present if we allow them to. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a crucial component of this. Is like it's if we allow it to. And so for myself, it's. I would get uh, so much anxiety at one point in my life getting ready to to put up a play and and get up there or even in class putting up a scene in front of in front of a teacher. You know, I would get such 
you know, there's always a little bit of nervousness, but I get such anxiety because it's like, this has to be great. This has to, you know, move people. This has to, you know, all of these, these pressures. And while I did all right, you know, I, I, I probably did better than all right. I, I did good work, but I was never particularly satisfied. I never really got the kind of enjoyment and, and excitement that I was looking for and that I'd had at one point in time. But at the time that I had been enjoying it more was when I was not thinking so much about, you know, it's like, oh, what are people going to think of this? What kind of impact is this going to have? All of this types of stuff. It was just like, no, I was just doing it because I was having a great time doing it. And when I was in that space and when I am in that space now, my creativity is just, is just going at a thousand percent more than when I was worried about all of these potentialities in the future, all of these results that I, that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But you don't know if they will happen or, you know, it's the future and the past are interesting. The future is an interesting one. We were talking about this before, but like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how things are going to change or what's going to resonate or whatever, you know, like, so it's so, it's kind of like so arrogant for us to be focused on the future. Like mm-hmm. we know how this thing is going to be and how it's going to play out. You know, I think that the future is kind of one of those things where it's like, we have that ability to be able to look into the future and make sure that things are set up well for the future. But we don't mm-hmm. have the ability to determine how that future is going to look. So what we set up would work based on the current present life that we know in the present. Mm-hmm. But in the future, it might not actually pay off. That's the risk that we all take. But based on our current present moment, we can go, well, based if things stay relatively the same to what they are now then I can probably do this and that will help me later on. And I think that's good future work. But when you try to go like, I need to do this and then in the future get this, so my moment now is dependent on that, you set yourself up for failure more of the time because, I mean, right now, you know, it's even more relevant than ever. I mean, technology is advancing at such a massive level that what works today will not necessarily work tomorrow. And so worrying about the future and getting all concerned about that, these worries and these concerns might not even be relevant later. Mm -hmm. And so it's this whole, like, it's just this waste of energy. It's this constant, like, like depleting of yourself into the future. Yes. We can talk about the past in a moment, but I think we're on to something here that's good. I think that you, you, you put it beautifully. Worrying is a, is such a waste of energy. It's a depletion. Yeah. It's putting energy that is never going to be utilized. Mm-hmm. It's and like filling the gas tank of a car you'll never drive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I suppose. In a lot I of suppose. ways, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, look, when you, like, when you go to buy gas for your car, fuel, are you going to go and fill up another car that you may never drive in the future as well? Like, it's like, and, and it just, it's going to always like, you're never going to use it. You're never going to get anything out of it, but you're always going to just keep filling it up. Like if you, it, you know, the expense that it would cost you, right mm-hmm. now, let's just say you have 10 other cars to fuel that you'll never drive 10 other worries 
Yeah. Well, I got to make sure that the fuel tank's full in these cars too. Just in case, in case. This one breaks down and then I can drive that one. And if those other nine break down, then I can drive the 10th one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's just like, well, it's like, but you only drive the one car. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's why it's such a great way to look at it too. I mean, it's funny that we just kind of came up with that, but that's the present moment. The car you're in, the vehicle you're in, this is what's happening. Yeah. You know? And like, and if I, that car breaks down, then you'll don't worry. You'll like you'll <laughs> that's things like don't worry. You'll figure you'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll sort right? it out. Like it's like it's um you know one of our favorites, uh, Alan Watts. He tells a story about when people were perhaps he hypothesizes just or as a thought experiment. Sure. It's like imagine you know early early man kind of thing. It's like very simple, but. Uh, who didn't think of the future, who didn't think of, you know, what, you know, what was going to happen over the next, the course of the year or something, or even the next week or whatever. It was basically, it was when you were hungry, you ate, when you're thirsty, you drank, when you were tired, you slept. And that was it. And that's how you went about your life. And it says it would, and even if tomorrow you were eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, at least you weren't spending your whole life worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's like, because if these, you know, sometimes these things happen. I was in a car accident recently and, yeah. and, and it was, it was not, I was not at fault for the accident and it was a really bizarre thing that happened. Like the way that this accident, you know, there are certain things that I, when I'm on the road, I, I look out for because they're like, oh, sometimes people do this and sometimes people do that. You know, and, and so I, I just try and be aware. And this was something that was so surprising the way that this person kind of came out and this collision occurred. And it was it was one of those things where it's like, I don't even know what I could have done about that. It just happened. And and there's sometimes these events that that occur that we can't plan for, that we don't plan for, but they happen anyways. Mm-hmm. And what's my life going to be if every time I get behind the the wheel, I'm worried that I'm going to be in an accident? You know, it's like I'm aware that it is always a possibility. But if I'm so concerned, I might really miss out on the enjoyment of driving. Because hmm. I do enjoy driving yeah. to a large degree. It's like so, but if I'm going to be worried every single time, I'm going to lose that enjoyment. And there's no sense in worrying about something that is like, I don't necessarily have control over this. Yes. You know, and that was something that this taught me. It was like, no matter what I do, something could still happen. And it's not going to serve me in any way to worry if it might happen again. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will, but maybe it won't. What's it going to, what's the use in, again, wasting that energy? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, to summarize this part of the conversation, as far as we brought this into the future, worry is one of the things that depletes your enjoyment of the moment. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you remove obligation and you remove your concern with the consequences and you replace those things with choice, where does worry come in at that point? Like, mm-hmm. is there even necessary is there even a a point there 
And then I think what ends up happening, maybe if you get to that point, it starts to become where people begin to be dependent on future events. So they go, well, if this doesn't happen, my life's over. If this does happen. But, you know, understand that that isn't necessarily true. That's a manufactured idea. You're using your imagination to actually be an enemy against yourself. I One of the tools that we work on in a Fast Filmmaker and my business and all of that is we work with imagination. And we talk a lot about, you know, just, just how to use your imagination in an effective way that actually helps and serves you. Because it's mm-hmm. a fucking really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. But also it's a double-edged sword because it can be used against you just as much. Yeah. And so like oh, yeah. one of the things that we, we do is, is we'll go through a process of imagination. But what I always tell people is remember, your imagination is not happening in the future. Mm-hmm. It is happening right now. Yeah. So what does that tell you about your imagination? It, it, people have transformative experiences because they go, wait a minute. <laughs> If I would be this person in the future, in that life, but I'm actually doing that right now, what's stopping me from being that person right now? And they Mm -hmm. suddenly realize, wait a minute, I've been waiting to be that person. And if they were just being that person, they could just enjoy. And in some ways, that's what's actually going to create that imagination. But, But before they do the course or before they do the workshop, what they what they didn't realize was that. They were waiting for something to happen so they could be that person. And a lot of the time, what I, I'm simply doing this. I'm going, wait, be that person, and this will happen. And, and it's mm-hmm. present. And so once you just turn it around, you go, oh, shit. Like, no wonder it's never happening. I'm not being that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I need to be the person that that would happen for or so on. You know? Yeah. And, thing, you know? and the other thing about our imaginations, too, is like this is, man, this is something that I know I I've done and still do at times. And I know lots of people who, who, who do this. And it's, it's such a funny thing because it's like, we are so good at imagining terrible things in our future. Yeah. You know, like we are so good at imagining things, not working out at imagining bad things happening. And we call that being realistic a lot of the time. We're just like, well, I'm just, you know, being prepared. It's like, how is that any more realistic? Like when we actually look at these things, you know, um, when we look at these things honestly, like, okay, well, you know, the likelihood of that happening is actually pretty low when we actually look at it, you know, we're like, okay, so these, the odds of these really horrible outcomes is pretty yeah. unlikely. It's like, okay, so then why is that any more realistic than imagining something working out really well? Something going like we can use our imagination to go. It's like, well, what makes that any, any less? less real yes you know but it's like we're our minds and this part of our program we're wired to find the fault we're wired to find the risk we're wired to find how things can go wrong and at one point in our evolution you know that served probably to help keep us alive when we actually you know had to to hunt and gather and we didn't know you know when the next thing was gonna was gonna come you know when the next meal or what but and for most of us today, it's just like, this is how we are now using that part of our brain. Yeah. Is to imagine all kinds of crazy, ridiculous misfortunes that might potentially befall us in any given circumstance. Well, you know, and to, to kind of take on that point a little bit further as well. I mean, we inform 
the present moment into the future. And what I mean by that is the way that we're being and behaving and acting and, and performing and role-playing, which I want to talk about in this conversation. Hopefully we can get to it. But when we're playing the character of our ego and we're doing this, the, the, the person that worries, the person that's obligated, the person that is prepared, we tell the world and everyone around us and our environment and our own experience and perception of the world that this is how it will play out. And the more committed we are to the role, the more we manifest the destiny of that role to be played out. So in some ways, people go, yeah, it was good that I was worrying because this did happen. But here's the thing. Maybe it happened because you were worrying about it. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting thing that I've come across recently, which is like how we actually are programmed faulty because we believe we're cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And if you tell most people, go, yeah, we're cause and effect. This happens. That's the effect. And because that's the effect. this is So basically, if you take that to its nth degree, basically what you're finding out is that you're going. So you're so you don't have any free will. You're just a mm -hmm. series of effects that were based on something that was caused yep. and you have no choice, no will, no anything. And in fact, to the point where it's like, why do you even experience yourself having free will? You know, because basically you're just a byproduct of all this stuff that's happened. Right. Yeah. So if you change the narrative, which is, this is the big realization that I've had, which kind of finally settled in is that what if you were the source what if everything begins with you right now in this very moment and then your life can be whatever it wants as opposed to it was my, my parents, they did this. And so that's why I'm this way. What if instead you're this way, which caused your parents to be like that? Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, so you take and we're talking past, but we're talking about future too. What if everything is the way it is because of right now you are the source of it, which it's, it's hard for people to go because they don't want to take that kind of responsibility. Yeah. But ultimately, what if you are like you can start at any moment and be the source? Well, it's like there's I think that um, what you're getting at is that we have this tendency of separating cause and effect. It's like they have a we, we look at them as though they have a relationship, certainly, but that they're kind of these separate things. There's cause and that's the effect. They have a tie to them, but like they're kind of like that, that they kind of clunk along yeah. together. But it's the, the truth is, is that like cause and effect are the same thing. They're actually one one solid unit. And you've maybe kind of just called it source which is a pretty good way of looking at it, which is that if we want a certain effect, then we have to be the cause of that. The cause has to begin first in order to have the effect that you want. You need to be that cause. And so there but an effect has to happen for the cause to exist. Yeah. So where does it happen? The chicken or the egg? Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, it's, it's this, Here's, I don't know. Did we, have we died? I don't know if we did. <laughs> did we dived dive into, into it. But, okay, but, Alan Watts. I got another Alan Watts ism um, here. Mm -hmm. Alan Watts shares this idea. I love this idea. He goes, "Okay, you're a wave in the ocean. At what point are you separate from the ocean? Mm -hmm. Right. So, what point are you separate from the ocean? Well, where, where, where do we cut off? No, you're the same thing. You just happen to be identified as the wave, mm -hmm. but you are the ocean." So you're the ocean waving itself. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then here's the other thing. You go, you're the puddle, which ultimately came from the ocean. So what happened? Because it, it evaporated into the sky, became a cloud, floated over to some street or whatever, mm-hmm. and then rained and then became a puddle. You are, so you're the puddle now and you're, no, you're just identified as the puddle, mm-hmm. but you're the puddle, you're the rain, you're the cloud, you're the evaporation and you're the ocean it came from. Mm-hmm. And so then if you start to see the interconnectedness of everything, you stop making yourself the effect of everything. Because now yeah, yeah, you yeah. see that, well, look, I'm the ocean, whether I'm a puddle or whether I'm a wave or whether I'm the evaporated water, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of a weird analogy, right? No, but, no, no. It was, it was funny because like I kind of lost my train on that on our conversation where I was like, wait, where, how did we get onto this? Where, where, where do we go? It's like, that's right. Oh, that's right. It's about our past. It's about the sense of being. And, you know, I, there are people who are probably listening out there who are uh, who are determinists, who who truly believe that you know it's like determinism is fine it doesn't it doesn't negate the whole thing that we're talking about anyway yeah determinism is an actual interesting way to look at life mm-hmm. but the, the we're not talking about that really we're not talking about free will or determinism we're just talking about enjoying the moment yeah so you can say like well i'm determined not to enjoy this moment yeah i mean sure go ahead if that if that serves you and that works for you, then by all means, go do it. But like, given the choice, would you rather enjoy the moment or not? I mean, given the choice, given that, well, I don't have any choice. So fine. Keep, carry on. Stop listening. Go on. Or keep listening because you don't have a choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but like, in, a, in a way, <laughs> it's like if you follow determinism all the way to its end, you know, it's like, well, you have no free will. Like you were always going to do what you were going to do. Yeah and what have you, then at least then you can kind of breathe easy, can't you? Wonderful. Everything's already taken care of. Everything's already taken care of. You're not responsible for anything. Just, just you don't, ride this to, out, to, man. To, 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 yeah. to bring this back to uh, <laughs> earlier in our conversation, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. That's what, the, you know, everything. So at least, and, and this is kind of what we're, we're getting at in this conversation is that it's like, is breathe a little bit easier. Yeah in your life you know the 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 worry the the uh our the things that we feel guilty about the things we feel betrayed about the yeah. things we feel all of this baggage that we carry around with us i think is a big part of of this conversation it's like there's all of this shit all of this baggage which is so much of it is our conditioning you know the way that the ways that we feel like we are wronged and stuff like that the ways that we we feel like things aren't fair the way that we judge things and the way that we you know condemn things in in our lives do so much to just rob us of the enjoyment of our lives. And I mean, for artists, especially, it's like when we get caught in these cycles of, you know, this, this, this past, I'm the way that I am because of this. And if only this hadn't happened and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then we got just like, Oh my God. And and I have to make my, I have to make my work this thing, or it has to be this and people have to love it. And it has to have this kind of effect and impact in order for it to have been worth it. Yeah. Well, now you can't, like there's no room for real creation. There's no room for real engagement with life at that point. You know, we become so rigid and I don't know, I don't remember where I, I saw this in, but it was, I thought it was really quite 
wonderful uh, example of it, which was that if you look at something like a, a plant, right, like a dead plant becomes stiff and brittle. The, but a, a live living plant, it moves and it's flexible and it, and it's, it's, it's not, and so when we bring in our worry, when we bring in our baggage, we start to become more and more rigid. Like we, we close ourselves off, we create less movement. And if there's no movement, there's no life. So part of what this is, is I think we're trying to illustrate and, and pull out some of these games that, that we play with ourselves, some of these games that, you know, maybe you play with yourself, you know, in your own mind and the, how absurd so many of these games are. Yeah. And how these have such a negative impact on our lives and how needless these kinds of sufferings are and how much more life there is to be obtained when we just, kind of allow things to happen. You know what? Do determinists worry? I mean, I'm not saying... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying that... Determin- Probably some I'm, do. Well, I'm not saying that determinism is not the case. Like, what, you know, what I learned through philosophy is, you know, this is a big conversation, obviously, in philosophy, but what I learned through it was, you know, every philosophy teacher I ever had, really, at the end of the day, our conversation went boiled down to this one thing. It's like, we don't know if we have free will or not, but we sure experience it like we do. Mm -hmm. So, so we experience it like we do, you know, and I, I, even a determinist, I mean, you still experience the essence of what choice is. So whether you have it or not, I mean, totally, I totally get that point of view. Like it makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, sometimes I walk along and I go, yeah, like maybe it all is just kind of determined. But mm-hmm. I I find it very difficult to deny that I don't experience free will. Mm-hmm. I don't experience a sense of it. Like I don't experience that I'm having it because I think I'm making my own choices. But maybe I'm just making my own choices because that's how I was programmed and wired up and conditioned. And maybe my breaking of conditioning or programming was already meant to happen because, you know, it was already going to get to a breaking point where I would question it and whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. you just go down, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So here's the thing. I just look at it like this. I mean, I've gone through so many hoops and so many ups and downs and roller coaster ride of life. What I've come down to at the end of the day was like, um, you know, I be, and I'll share this with everybody. You know, I've shared it before, but I got to a point where you know, I was like sitting there and this was for a while. And I'm just like, what's the point of being alive? I was like depressed and I was just like my whole world was shattered. My whole idea, concept of self and life and how things were supposed to work out. And I'm just like, what's the point? Like, why? Who cares? And anybody who's been depressed knows that that's one of the main major telling signs that you're depressed, even whether Mm -hmm. you know it or not. When you're asking like, what's the point and why? You're usually going through some form of depression. Yeah. That's what we call it, at least in society. Yeah. But, you know, um, basically what I realized was like, yeah, but... I don't really like I wouldn't really want to end my life because I still enjoy existing. I still enjoy the experience of it because even if I just play video games all day yeah, or go to drinks with some people or whatever, I still enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have that than not have that. Yeah. So 
at the very least, I might as well just stay alive because maybe that's all my life is. And that was weird, dude. That was a really weird time <laughs> because I was like, so basically, Brandon, your whole life is just playing video games and <laughs> you're living for video games. Right. But what I realized was that was a great stepping stone to other stepping stones of finding purpose and yeah. meaning. And you know what? Because the thing is, it's like, or you live that that's that's part of the program. That's a great example because it's like, you know, your head, there's this judgment. Right. It's like, what, this is what you're living for? You're exactly. living for video games. Yeah. And the answer to that is like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I am. Yeah. That's what I'm living for is video games right now. And we did a uh, our last podcast, we did one on curiosity. You know, we talked about how like a good dose of curiosity can go a long way into getting yourself out of a hole. Yeah. You know, just like what's one thing, you know, just like what's one thing. And for this moment, that one moment in your life, it was video games. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to play video games. I had a, a, another friend of mine uh, like last year was going through a rough time and he just said, I'm doing, I'm doing 30 days of yoga He's like, I'm doing 30 days of yoga because that's literally all I'm going on right now. Like he was just had some shit in his world just shattered. And the and all he had was yoga. And I was like, hey, man, you yeah. like do it. Do it. You go every day. And he did. And every single day he went and he did his he went and he did yoga. And now he's doing great. <laughs> like he's yeah. like, you know, it's just like he transcended through it. It was a bridge. Yoga was a bridge through a period of life and i think that's it's such a like you know it's so funny because i was super judgmental of the video game thing Mm -hmm. you know and i i don't know i could talk about my parents judged video games whatever fuck doesn't matter but at the time that got me through the thing and then you know i moved through it it was a bridge but the thing is is like when you think about life especially okay if you're given all this programming at a very young age about how you're supposed to be what life's supposed to be like blah, 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 be prepared for this, you know, especially if your parents are very fearful and you get put, all that gets put on you or you went through trauma or whatever and all of that programming gets directly put into you. Mm -hmm. Then you go through your life and you've been running on that program and you've been working and it's been kind of okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go through some period of life and things do not go as promised. Things do not go as expected. And whatever you thought you knew gets kind of thrown into critical questioning where mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, I was told or I was promised or I believed that life was going to go this way. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you know, this has happened and this is not what I planned and this is not okay. What ends up happening is you can just fucking end your life mm-hmm. and you could be like, well, fuck it. It wasn't what I promised. I'm out. Yeah. You know, or you could be like, well, I'm going to evolve. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to change. I'm going to figure this out. And so for me, part of the evolving, because that's basically what I went through. I went through a, a, a existential crisis, mm-hmm. a crisis of existence, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't know I was going through at the time, but that's what I was going through. And then, you know, even calling it a depression isn't even the proper way to, I, I shouldn't even call it that. I should call yeah. it just a, a, a existential crisis because that's what it was. Yeah. And where video games for a period of time were my existence. Mm-hmm. They were what got me through the days and they worked in the meantime while I worked some shit out, but they gave me enough enjoyment to kind of be like, okay, like you like doing this. If you like doing this, then maybe you like doing something else. And it's like, well, I like doing that too. Okay. Now I get two things I like. Now I got three. And then pretty soon I'm this new kind of being 
enjoying life in a new way, becoming a new person in a sense. Yeah. You know, in some ways, yeah. like it's, and I know you said I won't use the word, but we'll, we'll do it just because sure. it works. But, but depression is sometimes a call to just like take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like you haven't been taking care of yourself. There's something that you've been neglecting, you know, and sometimes it's a shakeup. Sometimes it's like, it's like uh, <laughs> a breaking you out of autopilot. Like right. You've been on autopilot for too long. <laughs> it's time for you to like move on to, to to something else. It's a part of our our evolution. You know what we call uh, depression in in other times, like ancient times and yeah. cultures. You know they used to call it visits from Jupiter. They used to call it you know, and there was a beautiful art that that came out of it. There was a very symbolic look at at these challenges, these struggles, these inner turmoils that we that we face instead of you know oh diagnosed depression <laughs> it was just like oh no like there's there's rebuilding like the, the uh, as i mentioned before there was like uh, saturn was associated with depression but was also associated with wisdom and the paintings about saturn that were created in the time were ones that saturn i think was also a god of um of like building Right. Of like, so it's like you would see paintings of old structures being torn to the ground and uh, carpenters yeah. uh, building, building new ones, you know, and, and that's what we're going, but we we're so sometimes so busy in making these things wrong. You know, it's like, I shouldn't, I'm not supposed to be going through this. This is not supposed to be happening. Right. And really all I was saying is like, it's, it's really to pay attention. Yeah. And that's really what we're getting to is like so much of this, this time we've, we've been dancing around it, but the biggest really part of this and like one of our laws that's related to this is presence. Mm -hmm. Like how much this has to do with presence. The law of presence, you know, we, we had a whole conversation just on that, like that law, that tenant, that mm -hmm. kind of principle of going about life. And, you know, I think, in our conversations, and I think what we've kind of been trying to do is we were trying to say, and we have been trying to say, is like, maybe this is a bit of a philosophy. You know, this way of the artist is a bit of a way of looking at your life and a way of kind of comprehending it through the eyes of a creative being, of a, a, of a artist, you know? Of a master artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of the ultimate aim is that what if you viewed your life through the eyes of a master artist? Somebody who looked at life as a canvas to paint or a unwritten song to sing. Mm -hmm. You know, what if they looked at their life as a movie that needs to be told or whatever? And, you know, the thing about the, the life of an artist is that an artist truly doesn't look at other things as a thing to copy. They look at things as inspiration mm -hmm. to help create something new out of, but they don't look to replicate it. And so if you look at your life and if everybody's really honest with yourself, how much of your life have you just been trying to replicate? Like how much mm -hmm. of it have you just like looked at someone else and go, I want to be like that. I want to live like this person. I want my life to look like this thing I've seen. What if, Life is actually about you creating something that you can't see out there. It's not actually out there. But yeah. those things can inspire what you want to create. What might end up happening is, you know, instead of all these like, um, instead of trying to do what everyone else does or copy, 
you actually go like, okay, well, maybe the way that I'm doing this is exactly what's going to lead me to something new. Mm -hmm. And to go back to the title of this episode, I mean, nobody knows your path but you. And you're probably going to have a, you've already like guaranteed had people in your life tell you (laughs) what your, what (laughs) your life is supposed to look like and what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. Right. They don't know that. They don't know. They don't know that. And the thing is that was, that's funny about this as well is, well, it's not necessarily funny, but only you have any, any inkling of what your path is. And that's just an inkling. Like even we don't know the full scope of, of what it is, but that would be very uninteresting. If, yeah, we, if we knew of... exactly how our lives were going to unfold, what's the point? Right. <laughs> like it would be pretty boring. We'd be like, okay, no, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. You know, it makes for a fun kind of movie maybe when one person can see what's going to happen next. <laughs> it gets old after a while. You know, like if you just rewatch a movie over and over and over again, back to back to back to back, it eventually gets tiring. I, we, okay, so there's a movie called True Romance, which I saw oh, when yeah, I was yeah. a kid, but I kind of forgot. And then a filmmaker, I did a film with him. I was, the, I was the, the lead and he was the director. And he's like, have you seen True Romance? And I'm like, yeah, I was a kid. I don't really remember. He's like, he's like, we got to watch it. So he came over to my place me and this director, and we watched it. I was like, that was fucking awesome. Let's mm-hmm. watch it again. And we watched it again. And it was, and, and then we watched it again. We had such a great time. We're like, let's watch it again. We watched it three times, back to back to back. Yeah. And although it was enjoyable, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, enough of yeah. watching this movie. Like, let's move on to another movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think there's a certain amount of like, when you, when we, we, I can, I can appreciate the fact that people want expectation. They want to relive a good moment. Yeah. Right. But like life is not just about reliving good moments. It's about living new, amazing moments. And being very present for them. Yes. And really taking them in. Don't miss them. And I mean, how many moments? And like yeah. amazed by it. Just totally. being like, just being like, whoa, like, cause we've are so often just like we're, we're up in our heads. I see this all the time in actors, right? But it's just like, that's just a reflection of, of how we are in our life. It's Acting like, teaches a great lesson on this, which is just like to recreate a performance. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. like, just no, be, be present. But if like so often we're experiencing things in our head, you know, things are happening and maybe at some level we're we're really taking it in, but there's a part of, of us that's off somewhere else. There's a part of us judging what's happening. There's a part of us that's filtering what's happening as opposed to just seeing it, as opposed to just being there for it mm-hmm. and and being awestruck right. by every... And the thing is, that's something that we have the capacity to do at every single moment. I mean, when I was uh, earlier in my acting, it was like I used to... And this is a common thing that that happens with actors is... You know, there's maybe this a moment in a scene, you know, this that and we say it's this big moment. <laughs> this, we, but that's a judgment yeah. that we have about it. Right. This judgment, there's this big moment, and I've, I can't wait for this big moment in this scene. Well, the only way to get to that big moment is by living every other moment that comes in before it, like really, truly being there. And that's the big moment. 
every single one, it becomes the big moment. Mm. But when you're constantly looking, like waiting for this thing, I, like, I'm, I was never present. I mean, I spoke earlier about how I had this frustration in my own acting, you know, about like how I, I wanted things to be this way. And a big moment was part of that. You know, it's like, oh, I want to have this thing at this part, at this part in the scene. When it hits this point, I just really want it to kick ass, right? <laughs> and the whole time, or maybe not the whole time, but part of the time, in my head, I'm like, suddenly I, I'm, I've checked out for a second and I'm thinking about, oh shit, this is coming up. How am I going to do that? Am I ready for it? Oh God, am I in the good emotional space? And suddenly I'm spiraling. And next thing you know, I haven't been really paying attention to what's been going on for the last God knows how long. Mm. And maybe I check back in, but now I'm thinking about it again. And it's like, and it was terrible <laughs> until I just realized like, holy shit, I can just go on a ride and, and just take every single moment in and be fascinated, completely involved in exactly what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't have to worry about the big moment because when the big moment happened, like I've been already living something extraordinary yeah. and then that happens and this, this thing and it's, I didn't have to think about it. Like it just, boom, it just hit. Like it just, it just came and it was whatever it was supposed to be. And, and it was phenomenal. And I go, holy shit, that was amazing. It was so much fun. It was so exciting. And, and I love to parallel acting with life because they're, they're so similar. They are. Like they're, they're, I mean, it's living truthfully under these circumstances. You know, it's, it's, it's a great example you're bringing up because, you know, for those people who have not acted, those who, who have might have a better understanding of what I'm about to share. For those of you who haven't acted, there's a certain amount of pressure. Like maybe you're, maybe it's asked of you to cry at a certain moment in the scene or, or to get, you know, to explode and, and whatever. And you'll see this with really bad acting. You know, we call it bad acting because what ends up happening is there's this moment where something is larger or bigger or whatever than everything else. And it just kind of stands out like a sore thumb. And even if it were genuine, it kind of like isn't because it's not in context of what we've just seen. Mm -hmm. Like big moments are built upon many, many little moments. And, you know, I mean, the, the best acting teachers that I've worked with, they usually carry the philosophy of earning. Like mm -hmm. Big moments are earned. They're not, you don't just get them. You have to earn them. And yeah. you start from the moment before you even walk on stage. Yeah. Before you even seen. And, and probably even before that. And, and you could bring it back as yeah. far as you want. But you go and then you live. And then through living on stage, something happens. Mm -hmm. And this we call a big moment. Do yeah. you know that a lot of plays, when they describe the actual action in the play, a lot of the time that wasn't what the, the wrote, writer wrote. That's yeah. actually what the actor did. And then they wrote that down because, oh, they went, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know and what I mean? do that. Yeah. And it's just like, and but so that's now not every how actor created. who redoes yeah. the play has to do this action that the actor did or is asked to do this action. But it was written down because it was, it, it, it made sense. But what the, the weird thing is there's a miscommunication. It's like, Hey, this person did this. It was really great. You should do it too. But it's like, yeah, maybe you'll do something else that's actually better. But if you just get kind of caught in that, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. So it's just about more truthful moments. There's no big moments. It's just about truthful moments. And yeah. if you play, and if you play it truthfully, 
man, there's probably more big moments than than you even realized. You know, it's like you thought it was one. There was so many big moments. Yeah. I, I've had that experience in the middle of a scene where something happens. And only because I was like, I was fully there when I went, whoa, holy shit. And yeah. maybe nobody else got it. Well, that's one of the ones. I mean, I yeah. always trust to a certain degree that people got it. You know, that's yeah. like, it's an important thing, trust. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, even if nobody just like got what just happened, holy shit, I got what just happened. And that right. was huge. That was huge. Like I, there was some some understanding, some discovery, some crucial piece of the puzzle that just hit me in that moment. I'm like, whoa, that's huge for me. Like, yeah. and it, at the very least, it's like, that's like that, that just keeps fueling me. I'm just like, and I'm, I'm just hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for that moment, for that every single moment. Cause I'm like, what might be here? What might be in this one? Might, what might be in this one? You know? And I think that if we can bring that attitude more into our own lives, it's like, no matter what's happening, instead of making it right or wrong, whatever is happening, whatever has happened, whatever might happen and not saying that there's anything wrong with that and just taking what is here, what is now and, and having that be enough, you know, because there's something and there's some beautiful juice to be squeezed out of life in, in <laughs> when we're paying attention in every single moment. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, you know, our sense of joy is what actually unlocks our creative potential and our, you know, our potential for these great things. Cause we don't really know until they, ex until they happen. So it's like, you know, I think you can like plan and practice and do all that stuff. And I think all oh, that's great. I think those are great things to do, but you know, when you make a plan, look at it more like something that is kind of like best intentions, not like the way it has to go. You know, practice is great. I believe in practice. I love practice. I played sports. And those of us that practice played sports at the highest level, you know, um, and and that's and we got the rewards, the experiences. I mean, here's the thing. Just an example from from playing sports, a moment where you totally just totally stick handle and deke. We call it deking in Canada for those Americans. Yeah. <laughs> but you deke around the goalie. You just like their pants are around their ankles basically and you score a goal and it's just unbelievable or you put that perfect slap shot in the top corner you know or you get that perfect hit or whatever um you know for me there's moments in my play where i did something just phenomenal mm -hmm. and i still remember they're so vivid to me they're like a movie i can replay and relive over and over but that was practice coming into the moment but in the moment you're there and it happens mm -hmm. and it almost happens in spite of you it's like <laughs> that's the yeah. thing about presence is that presence with preparation and practice and planning happens in spite of you so you don't you don't control where everyone else is you don't control what's going to happen in the game of life or the game of hockey or soccer or football or whatever but when you are in that present moment whatever your position is you get to be that and I think that like right now, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you get to be this right now. You get to be this. Mm -hmm. Like your life has been happening with all this crazy shit going on and you get to be this right now. What are you going to do? Yeah. Like that's your life 
every single moment. But we and you might get, as well fully be yeah. this thing right now. Right. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you might as well fully might be this well, thing right now because this is this is all we know. This is it. This is it. Okay. There's a couple other things I want to mention because I know we're getting close to the end here. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things I want to mention. So one is that I want to I do want to talk quickly about the, just the past. I want to mention how that plays into this kind of path thing. The other thing I want to talk about is a little bit of character and role playing and kind of how we do that. Mm. So we'll cover those briefly. But I want to give a quick little analogy for this. And we talked about this earlier, but I'll just share it, which is the hiking analogy. Mm. So, or you go on a road trip or whatever, but let's just use hiking. You go on a hike. If you go on a hike that someone has already hiked, you might go on that hike to say, get to a certain vista or a view of some sort. Mm -hmm. But Way of the Artist is kind of saying, your life is not a hike that someone else has already walked. It's a, a hike you're taking where you're going on it for the first time. And yeah. although there may be very similar things on your hike that are on other people's hikes, this is your own path in your own way. And your so, own experience. Yeah. And so when you get to a view or a vista, you, you didn't necessarily know that view or vista existed until you get there. And then you might, in hindsight, go, guys, this is the way to the vista. And you might tell people, come this way. This is a way to a great vista I found. But you might think that's the point of the journey. And then you carry on another mile and you realize there's an even better vista, 10 times better. But you thought the hike was about the previous vista. And now you're realizing it's about this one. So now it's like, well, that's a nice little thing along the way. But really, you have to go here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it's going to be a little more work. It's going to take. So the problem is, I think what happens with a lot of people is people come back and tell us about the vistas they've seen. And we go, great, I'm going to go do that and see that vista. But it's not ours. It's not our hike. And so it's not theirs necessarily. For sure. But we're trying to replicate their experience mm -hmm. as opposed to going like, you know what? There might be a point on that journey, on that, on that, on that hike you're going on that trip where you just go, you know what? Instead of going the way they told me, I actually feel like I want to go this way. Yeah. And that's the moment. That's, those are the present moments where, you know, you might change course. And, and presence allows you to pivot, allows you to try new things. Yeah. But if you get too determined, if you get too planned, too like it has to be this way, there's two problems. You're inflexible. And secondly, you might go to a place that actually doesn't reap you the rewards that you think it will. And mm -hmm. that can be disappointing. And then, you know. Yeah, because you have these expectations and... And yeah. Yeah. And you lose out on, on everything that happened. You lose out on your own experience. Like even if you don't deviate, even if you want yeah. the exact same, sure. same thing, you're still going to have a different experience of it. Yeah. There's no, there's no way around that. And there's all kinds of things that cannot be communicated within every single second and every single moment of it. Like, you know, they Usually, you know, if, if someone ever tells me about uh, a great hiking trail or something like that, we're here in Vancouver, so we're blessed with beautiful hiking trails. Yeah. But if someone ever tells me something, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's great. You, you go up and, and, you know, there's this beautiful, like, plateau and, you know, there's this view or something and you go, oh, yeah. that And they're like, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's great. You, you should definitely, rec definitely recommend it. It's like, great. Maybe I go and do it. And, like, I'm not going to really deviate from the path, you know, like, I'm going <laughs> to take the take the the hiking trail but the thing is is that there's so many details that are left out in there yeah it was like you told me that you know like maybe kind of how hard it was and you know 
that it led to this great view. But I haven't experienced that view yet. I haven't experienced that that challenge. I haven't experienced, you know, every twist, every turn, every rock, every tree, every all of these things that are that's really why I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it so I can just get up there and be like, oh, there it is. There's the there's the view. And it's just like yeah, as our, we keep mentioning him today, so like he's just a, our favorite today. So Alan Watts, you know, he says like if 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 everything, every song, it, yeah, song? like yeah, he was like yeah. every song, or it's like if it, it basically if we treated music the way that we often treat our lives, it's supposed to, it's like it's all about getting to somewhere, then every orchestra ever would just finish at the end, you know, like they would just they would just play the end. Yeah, they just play the end. They just play the one big final chord and it'd be over but it's like the, the, that's just silly like when that whole idea we just hear that and we just go that's ridiculous why would anybody go to a concert just to hear an orchestra play one big note <laughs> at the end it's silly just like a, if you went to see uh, dancers and watch them hit their final <laughs> right. hit their final movement their their final pose it's like that's stupid it's like it's all in context to everything that came before it. It's all every single thing was important. No one thing was 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 Well, it goes back to our acting analogy. Yeah. You know, the big moments in acting that actors are always like, oh, I gotta cry here. It's like, mm-hmm. well, in context to you earning your way to that moment of living truthfully in all the previous months, then maybe that'll happen. Yeah, because if we just step out, go go and see a show, and we see an actor just come out and just suddenly just like break down weeping on the stage, and that was it, you go, what the, who the fuck is this asshole? Yeah. You know, like, exactly. it's like what, like was that? Is this supposed to be experimental? Like we would be just so very confused by it, and and yeah, <laughs> not necessarily have gotten anything. It's like no, it's in it's in relationship to to every moment that came before every. Every word, every gesture, every look, every... I want to share something. You know, we were talking about this script a little earlier today, a script that I've mentioned previously, Mm -hmm. Love Lost, that I wrote. Guy and a girl, simple script. It's basically a play. The context is they're a couple um, young people who used to be in love, madly in love, had a bright future, all these expectations. It didn't work out. They broke up. They still were in love didn't work out they run into each other on the street they spend a night together and they rekindle but all their history and all this stuff comes up well one of the readers which this script got great reviews but one of the readers who wrote it or read it i mean (laughs) read it said they're like at page 70 i had to just put the script down and walk away for a minute i just i was so upset because they said they fell in love with one of the characters so much they like i thought i knew you and Mm -hmm. then a secret came out a discovery came out the thing is is that the only reason what would force them to be so aggravated they would put the script down because it wasn't like they were putting the script down because they actually it just emotionally affected them so much Mm -hmm. they had to put it down because they were dealing with their own shit but the context of that character and all the relationship you built for 70 pages Mm -hmm. got them to the point where they said i really like think i know this person i like this person and then they had a discovery and it and it hit them but if they just read that discovery just straight out without the first 70 pages it just wouldn't have the impact and this is the thing about like and this is where i want to get into the past your past is 
only valuable in how much it serves your moment. That's it. If it ever takes away from your moment, it, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Like the past is not here to take away from us. It's only here to serve us. That's all it's here to do. Mm-hmm. If you think about context of time, you don't watch a movie for 90 minutes, 120 minutes, two hours, whatever it is. You don't watch it because the first like hundred minutes or the first whatever take away from the climax. You watch it because all that serves the climax. Yeah. Your life is the same way. So if you're living, and I was doing this for a while, where my past was constantly robbing my present, it's like, no, you're not using your past properly. Your past is only there to serve you. Even the worst shit that has happened to you is only there to tell you how much you've grown, how much better you are. Mm-hmm. So the presence is always informing the past. The past is never telling you what the present is, mm-hmm. you know? You mentioned it. You had a, a way of saying it, though. Like, uh, like the, the thing is, is like we we are finding out what the past oh, yeah, is yeah. based on the present moment. Yeah, the past doesn't explain the present. We explain the past in the present. Yes. Yeah. Say that again, because that's such a key <laughs> key point. The past doesn't explain the present. We explain the past in the present. Yes. Okay. I don't know what else. This There's one, one last thing we got to oh, say. Oh yeah, yeah. Character. Okay. Role playing. Very important. So I just want to mention this and we can get into this in another, because this is a whole other rabbit hole, but let's yeah. just quickly mention it. I studied a lot of psychology um, and I still study it, but there is an experiment. There's many experiments, but one in particular, uh, it's the Stanford prison experiment. Oh yeah. It's about role playing and how they basically pair up people and they say like some people are guards, some people are prisoners. And they tried to do this experiment for like a week. And after three or four days, they had to just call it off because people took on the roles so intently that it became psychologically damaging and problematic. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't know they were going to prove this, but what it proved was that we commit to the role we play so much that it becomes our reality. So what I'd like to leave people with, and I'll just make this my final point, is that your present moment, your current perception of reality and the future that you believe you're stepping into is largely based on the role you believe you're playing. So if you are willing to step out of that role, you might find out that you have entirely new possibilities, an entirely new way to experience being and living and doing life. And I would say that the majority of people, and including myself in the past and why this has happened, why we ever experienced depression or upset moments, or we don't like like existing, is because the role we're playing is not the role that actually lets us live the way we want to live. And my exercise in my course is that I get people to pull their role from the future, bring it into the present, and live it out. And 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 a lot of people, I find, they their role was based on the past. When you ask them who they are, they'll say, well, I'm this way. And why are you that way? Well, I'm this way because, you know, blah, 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 because this and that. And then eventually it gets down to like, well, my parents did this and I grew up in a tough home and, you know, or I always got given everything I want. So I didn't know how to earn money. And I had to figure that something, they'll say something like that. I'm Mm -hmm. just sharing a few stories. And it's like, yeah, but is that really why you are the way you are? Like, is that really like, and, and once they realize that this doesn't define them, that they just kind of like attach themselves to that stuff and then decided mm-hmm. that's who they were. It creates freedom. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I know we're not, this is a huge rabbit hole to dive down, but we're all playing a role. And the role we're playing is a lot of what makes us feel like we're stuck on a certain path or a certain way of life. And we just can't get off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. It's, it is hard to change roles, especially if you've been very well worn into that role. But, you know, maybe we'll get into this in the future, but that's a part of it. So, you know, I want to leave people with that just to think about it. It's like, well, am I really who I think I am because of cause and effect? Or am I the source of who I want to be based on pulling who I want to be from the future? And I, I suggest be the source. Pull from the future for the answers of who you are. Don't pull from the past. And pull not from the future of worry, but from the future of dreams and vision and imagination, you know, of wonder. But if you pull from like worrying, that's just as bad as pulling from the past. So it's on you. I mean, you get to experience this life. You know, no one's telling you how to do it. But that's what I would leave people with on this conversation, because I feel like that's the linchpin at the end of the day for this talk we're having, for Mm -hmm. me at least. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think what's coming in for me just as a final thing, it's like, you know, it's it comes down to a sense of unknown again. You know, it's like so much of our of our uh, worry, anxiety, the reason why we stress about things, the, the reason why we over plan for things sometimes, which can happen with a reason why we over prepare, over train <laughs> for certain things is we, is we want to have some sense of, of control, some sense of, of guarantee, some sense of knowing how things are going to work out. But the, the really the truth is, is that it's all such a big unknown. And as I mentioned earlier, and, and as the title of this podcast is it's like, there's, there's nobody who can tell you what your path is and like nobody, no one, I don't care. Nobody, nobody knows this. Nobody knows this, but you, and even you only have partial information on how it's supposed to go out. And that's what makes it interesting. That is, it is that unknown component that this is kind of all for. It's kind of the reason for a lot of life. That's where life happens. That's where creativity happens is in the unknown spaces. So instead of running away from it, look for it. Look for the unknown because that's where the life is. Welcome it. Welcome it into your life. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.